You can have a seat. You know, I'm so pleasant to live with that my family rarely gets frustrated with me. You don't have to check with them, just take my word for it. But every year there's one thing that comes up that does frustrate them. About, you know, the middle of summer, peaches start coming in. And, you know, I'm from Georgia, I know, but peaches for me are just like, okay, all right? I don't get excited. But my wife and both daughters are like crazy over it. So when that time comes in each year, it's time for us to look for fruit stands and a place to go pick peaches. And suddenly we're making peach jelly, peach jam, peach bread, peach cake, peach everything, all right? Everything. And they think that this year, if I try it just one more time, I'm going to love it. But you know what? It's still just like, okay, you know? I mean, I can eat it, but I'm not excited about it. And this just frustrates them. And I want to say, why are you trying to change me, okay? I mean, that's just really how it is. And, and we do that lots of times in life. I mean, there are people who... You know, they think if you try their whatever it is you don't like, then you'll like it, right? And you want to say, why are you trying to change me? And we, we feel that way. I think we do this a lot in parenting. Like, you know, we have these toys that we loved as a kid, so we buy them for our kids, and they don't love them because it's a different time, and they're different people. And we think, man, you should go to the college I went to or play the sport that I played, and we think they'll love it. And they don't, and they're probably thinking, why are you trying to change me, right? Happens in our culture, too. We're in the midst of this series that we're calling, uh, What's Wrong With You? It's right on the screen. What's wrong with you? And that's the way our culture looks in on the church and Christians and says, what is so different about you? I don't understand. And one of the things they're asking us is, why are you trying to change me? Why are you trying to make me different? Now, last week we began with a question, why are you so judgmental? Because the world looks in on us and says, why are you always telling us we're wrong? Why do you always have to condemn us? Okay, and we said lead with love and then talk about Jesus. Okay, this week we're taking that a little bit of a step further. Similar topic because they're thinking, why are you trying to change me? Why are you trying to make me into a different person? I'm living my life. I'm satisfied with who I am and where I am and what I do. And you're coming in and trying to tell me it's all wrong and I need to live in a different way and believe different stuff and all this. And and I'm just not ready for that. And yet that's exactly what we do. We want to impose our morality, our understanding of what is right and wrong on people all around us, and we want them to follow what we believe, but, but the problem is they don't come at it with the same assumptions. We believe that God has shown us what's right and wrong. We believe that this book has important things to say about how we should live our lives, what is ethically right, what is ethically wrong, morally right, morally wrong. Okay, people could look in and look at this book and say, you know what, it does say some stuff about what's right and wrong, but why does it have authority over my life? Well, we would say because it's God's word, right? God gave us this. This is he's a gift to us. And they would say, I'm not sure God's behind that. In fact, I'm not even sure there is a God to be behind that book. And if they're coming from that direction, and we're coming from the direction of faith, 
And it is hard to meet in the middle because we assume this is authoritative and they assume that it is not. And yet we say we want you to follow what we believe to be right in terms of what marriage is or when life begins or what sexuality is all about or whether or not you can drink alcohol or how you spend your money or all kinds of things that we think about. And yet they say, why are you trying to change me? I'm fine just the way I am. Because we're coming at it assuming that God is behind this and they are not. And the thing is, when we do that, what we do is frustrate both people around us and ourselves. Why would they accept this as authoritative? Why would they say, I'm going to follow this book and what it says is right and wrong if they don't believe God stands behind it? That's just frustrating. And so the question comes, why are you trying to change me? So how do we deal with that? Today I want us to turn to the book of Romans. This is a letter from Paul, and it's a hard letter to understand in places, but to me this part is pretty straightforward. We're in Romans chapter 6. What I want us to do is look at a few verses from Romans chapter 6, and then we're going to come back to the question that we're dealing with, why are you trying to change me? So hold that thought, listen to what Paul says, and we'll come back to the question. At the beginning of Romans chapter 6, Paul's just laid out the power of grace, the grace that we find in Jesus Christ, and how it covers all of our sins. And it seems like one of the questions that the Christians in Rome were dealing with was this. Okay, well, if grace is so awesome, why don't we just keep living the way that we want to live, and we can live in sin, we can do whatever we want to do, and then there'll just be more grace. If grace is awesome, let's make more grace. Well, Paul had an answer to that question, and we find it in Romans chapter 6, verse 1, when he says this, but what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? More grace has got to be better grace, right? And he says, by no means. It could be translated, absolutely not. That is the wrong way to think. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Paul is saying, listen, this is the way we used to live. Sin, let's pretend sin is a person. Sin used to be my best friend, okay? I walked along with sin. Sin was a, my companion everywhere I went. I liked sin. Sin liked me. But when I followed Jesus, it is as if for sin that I was dead, that I was no longer around. I wasn't walking with sin. I wasn't a friend to sin. I didn't spend my life with sin. It's like I died. I died to sin. And in that moment, everything changed. Okay, wh when was that? What are we talking about? Paul answers that question in the next verse. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized, okay, that word is immersed, you go down in the water, you come back up, okay, that's the kind of baptism Paul's talking about. All of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. So there's a death that's involved in baptism, okay? Verse 4, what we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So what's the point? Paul's saying, listen, part of baptism, and this is only part, there's a lot of symbolism, a lot of meaning attached to baptism. We could talk about washing, like washing our sins away, okay? Baptism was an initiation rite in lots of groups and religions in the ancient world. But here's a big part. Paul says it's like dying and being raised from the dead, okay? It's like you die, you're buried, and then you're brought back to life, and it's new life. 
And the death is your death to sin. Because sin was your buddy. Sin was your companion. You liked sin. You liked to hang out with sin. And now it's as if you died and that person that loved sin so much and was a companion of sin, they're gone. And the person that comes up, and they're ready to live in a new way. With new attachments, new goals, new loyalties. Now, you might say, I'm not so sure. You might say, you know, I've seen people who were baptized and nothing changed. Well, you know, Paul's point here is, is that baptism is a commitment. It's a decision. It's an act of obedience. And if we go to the baptistry and we don't have faith and we don't have a commitment and we really haven't made a decision, all we get is wet, right? I mean, there's not magical water up there that somehow transforms you. It's the power of God at work in a faith commitment that changes everything in baptism. That's what we're talking about. Okay? And maybe some people in the room, you're a little bit like me. You grew up in church. Okay? You knew what was right and wrong like for as long as you can remember. And there wasn't like this huge drastic change the moment you were baptized because it was more of a process. I still think we understand that and in baptism, God fills us with his spirit, and there is a change in who we are, a change in identity in that moment. Okay, Paul takes it a little bit further down in verse 6. He says, For we know that our old self not only died, listen to the word he uses, our old self was crucified. Crucified with him, Jesus, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be not just friends with sin, not just companions with sin, but slaves to sin. Sin controlled us. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Sin was in control. If we served anything, it was sin. And there's a massive change in this moment when we commit ourselves to Jesus Christ in baptism. That changes everything. Skip down, we'll get one more verse in verse 13. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. So Paul's saying, listen, here's the change. Sin was your buddy, your companion, your master. But when you died and sin lost you, you were dead to sin. And now you've got new life, and in that new life, your loyalty, your allegiance is not to sin, it's to Jesus. And what Jesus says goes. And so what Jesus says about what's right and wrong, that's what matters to you. The commitment of faith and baptism changes how you understand what's right and wrong. It changes your morality. Because now, God's word is authoritative. Because this God has changed everything for you. He's changed your present. He's changed your future. He's changed your eternity. Okay? And so now you're ready to listen. And what we find out is, God's plan really is the best plan. So let's go back to our question, why are you trying to change me? The world looks in. It says, why are you trying to make me live like you? Why are you trying to enforce your morality on my life? Now, 
What we would say in part is, hey, we know that God's way is the best way. We know that God's plan for your life is the best plan. And if you live according to God's rules, guess what? You're going to have healthier relationships. You're going to handle your money better. You're going to have a better life. But until someone comes to the same faith that we do and makes the same faith commitment that we do, they're not ready to hear that God's way is the best way. They're not ready to hear that God can transform them. I'd put it this way. God knows what's best for you. God knows what's best for you. God knows what's best for every single person on the planet. He loves us that much. He's got a plan for us. But people are not ready to hear that plan until they have faith in that God. Because until that moment, it just doesn't matter. And so we force them into asking this question, why are you trying to change me when we try to enforce our way of life without faith? So that leaves us with, I think, a warning and a responsibility. Okay? A warning and a responsibility. The warning is you can't, people, can't expect people to share your approach, your morality, your ethics without your faith. Because this isn't authoritative. Because this doesn't matter to them yet. Okay? What God has said about their lives just doesn't matter. Only when they have our faith will they listen to that. It's interesting that Paul doesn't say, okay, you know what? What we Christians need to do is we need to go out and get the Roman Empire to follow our way of life. We need to get the Roman Empire to enforce what we believe is right and wrong. Because he knew that wasn't happening. Instead, Paul did what Jesus did. Instead of trying to change the Roman Empire, he preached a new kingdom. A kingdom that wouldn't involve capitals and palaces and armies, but a kingdom that would change lives and change eternity, the kingdom that Jesus preached. So that's the warning. We're only going to frustrate people if we do this. The responsibility, our responsibility, is to share the message of Jesus. Because when people can come to faith in Jesus Christ, then they're willing to change how they live. Then they're willing to follow God's plan, which is the best plan for them. So our responsibility, if we take what we learned last week, lead with love, okay? Not judgment. Lead with God's love. That's the first place we start. Then we talk about Jesus. Because that's the heart of the message. Jesus died on a cross. He was God's son. He died on a cross for your sins and my sins. He offers forgiveness and eternal life. That's the good news. And when people come to faith in that, then, then they're ready to listen to what God wants them to do with their lives. It changes because of faith. Think about it this way. You know, it doesn't take long watching TV to see some kind of commercial for a medication right? I mean, that is just, it's all over the place, okay? So what we see is, let's, you know, and they, it's every, everything you can think of. So 
the commercial comes on, and let's say it's a commercial for, you know these names, I don't even understand the names for medications, but let's say the name of the medication is Zalnuda. That sounds about like one they would come up with, right? Okay, so Zalnuda, this is what it cures. You need to call your doctor, contact your doctor, they'll prescribe it, and here's all the bad things that could happen. We get about 30 seconds of that that sounds worse than the original disease, right? Okay. But you don't have this disease. So what happens? You can't even remember what it was about, right? It just goes through your mind. You don't know what Zal knew. You may remember that name, but you have no clue what it treats. It just doesn't affect you, so you forgot it. Until you're diagnosed, or someone you love is diagnosed, with that disease. And the next time you see a commercial for Zalnuda, what happens? You're on that website, right? You're finding out what needs to be done. How can you get this medicine? How can it make you well? Or your wife, or your parent, or your child, or your friend. And you're on WebMD finding out what's the best way to get this. And, and you're ready to make an appointment with your doctor. What changed your condition? Your condition changed. People aren't that interested in what this book has to say about right and wrong until their condition changes. And it's our responsibility to take the message of Jesus so that they can hear it, lead with love, share the grace of Jesus Christ so that people are drawn to him and make a commitment to him in faith and repentance and baptism and then, then they're ready to hear, guess what? God knows what's best for you. Let's pray together. God, we're really thankful that you've shown us what's right and wrong. Because we know your plan is the best. We know our relationships are stronger, our lives are stronger, our character is better when we follow what you say is right and wrong. But God, help us as people who care about those around us, who love you and love others. God, help us to begin with love and follow that up with the message of Jesus. And then show people what you've said about how life is to be lived. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, maybe you're ready to accept that, accept that gift of forgiveness and eternal life that's found only in Jesus. And you're ready to express faith in him and you want to repent of your sins, which really just means I want to change the way I live and I'm ready to be baptized into Christ. If you're ready to make that decision, we want to walk with you in that journey. Let us know. Come forward as we sing our invitation. Let's stand together.